the optimism vaccine podcast uh i'm adam myros steve cuff is in ireland for some godforsaken reason uh so we're stuck with me uh we'll get through it together uh joining me as per usual is uh is a man who's not in ireland but knows a thing or two about it uh jack eason right it's it's some kind of a prisoner exchange program i believe so i have to go back there later but for now, Steve's got to go to, to to Ireland, presumably America, maybe got an American back. I don't know exactly. We'll find out all the details. <laughs> I, I don't understand. That's like two thirds of our regular podcast crew now is spending time in Ireland, whereas usually we just spend time mocking Ireland. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a strange turnabout. But uh, let, let's move on to our, uh, well, I, I will call him a guest, I guess, at the moment. You know, you're familiar with him, but... Uh, We've got a new father, Jake Tropila, back on the pod. That's right, gang. I have returned, and I could not be happier for the episode I'm back on. Yeah, yeah, we, we were still letting you have some time, but uh, you, you demanded to, to return for the coverage of this particular film. So, uh, Oh, yeah. Where? I'm still very much privy to uh, the podcast conversations for our, our, our listening audience to give them a peek behind the curtain. And you guys did uh, get even a.k.a. Champagne and Bullets, a few weeks ago. And, you know, I let that go. I didn't say anything. But uh, once the topic of this week's episode came up, I uh, I just had to jump in, even if that means I am doing the podcast with what is now a two-month-old strapped to my chest, sleeping soundly. Well, I've got a dog on my lap. He's probably worse behaved than the child, frankly. So uh, I'm sure it'll That's be fair. just fine. Um, yeah, what we're covering today... Uh, a... Bollywood film, I suppose we would it, say. It's We're, Tollywood. 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 Oh, there's yeah. a distinction that I could not possibly fucking muster. Different, different language, different region. Yeah. Different language, different region, same country. Uh, well, anyhow, we are kind of kicking off an exploration of the cinema of India, uh, which we're going to be probably dabbling in for the next couple months here. We'll, we'll figure out a time. We were trying to organize some guest action for you, the listeners here. But uh, we're going to have a further exploration of the subject as well. We, we can have someone who actually knows what they're talking about tell me the difference between Tollywood and Bollywood. Uh, but for now, I'm just going to call it a, a classic Indian film. Perhaps, the I believe, the most expensive ever made. Uh, and this is uh, just released recently in America. It is called... R R R. Uh what the hell does that stand for, Jay? <laughs> that's that's a great question. That that depends on what language you're speaking. I believe in the English regions they're just going with rise, roar, revolt. Uh, I think actually also in Hindi, uh, that's what they're going for, just with the English one as well. But there are there's a triple or uh, translations for various other for its native Telugu and Malayalam and uh, Tamil and various other Indian. Uh, Indian titles, which I believe all translate to like the same thing, which is uh, a Rage, War, Blood, which is a little bit more intense, honestly, than Rise, Roar, Revolt. But you get the idea. This this is a movie with a lot, a lot of strong feelings in it. Um, 
And yeah, I don't know for the entirety of this. Are we are we going with R R R or Triple R or R R R or it's it's a bit awkward. Uh, Rise War Revolt. It's not really what it's actually called. That actually, I don't think that title appears anywhere in the film. Um, so you know, we're we're left with options. Well, you know, once we intro the film, I suppose we don't have to say the title of it all that often. We could deal with the awkwardness. Uh yeah. What the hell is R R R? The greatest movie ever made. Yeah, I, th I think we're talking about probably the movie to Put beat simple. in 2022. Uh, uh, this is spectacular, visual effects driven, blockbuster cinema done right. This is the the thing that ever so often I forget exists, frankly, because, you know, you get mired down in, like the Disney Marvel universe. And it was like last year we were doing... Choi Hawk that we, we revisited and visited for the first time several of his films and one of the films that I don't remember if we got into the podcast or not was uh, Young Detective D. He made three Detective D films um, and <clears throat> just watching those was the revelation. It's like, oh wait, look, big special effects blockbuster cinema can actually be cool and fun. I'd forgotten. That just doesn't happen in America anymore. Hollywood cinema is just so dour and pointless and mired and you know, kind of like details of realism and psychology and nonsense and generally all look like they're grayscale desaturated there's just there's so little to enjoy within that cinema i find uh rrr redresses that balance it is everything you could want in a blockbuster it is a uh, all just action-packed romance patriotism a musical number two of them actually uh massive amounts of british fatalities it's just, it's an, an incredible work of cinema uh, that I think we can all agree is just, you know, everything you ever would want when you set foot in a cinema, when you sit down. And this thing runs for like three hours and seven minutes. And I swear it is like every scene across those three hours, like one-ups the scene before. It's just like mm -hmm. building and building. It is mathematically a pristine film. <laughs> it's remarkable. This you say best of the year. I'm I'm gonna just go ahead and further and say like this is probably gonna be the film to beat for the rest of the 2020s. I mean, first cow, fuck that shit. Give me some Telugu heroic bloodshed, and and this is not just us hyping this movie. This is like a rare once in a decade film. I would say nobody has been this unified in their praise of a movie since probably Mad Max Fury Road which is also very epic and similar to this in many regards. But yeah, this is just such a triumphant powerhouse of what cinema can do. And God damn it, we are here to celebrate it. Not since everything, everywhere, all at once is the critical mind. <laughs> so, you know. this, this is my everything, everywhere, all at once. And I think the people who love that movie have not seen RRR. Well, that's the thing about this is uh, you guys were praising it, and it is uh, as much as I hate to put over the Earth's worst service. This is is currently streaming on Netflix, uh, where you can find it's it's the off language. I believe it's the Hindi version, which is how I watched it. But I, uh, you guys were like hyping it to the moon, and I'm like, I don't know what the hell this thing is. I I don't know the first thing about Indian film, and I I was having a conversation with one of my like film friends who's probably not as plugged in as they once were and they're like, "Oh, what's good this year?" I'm like, "I I don't watch shit anymore, but uh I hear this RRR thing's great." And I then I watched it and I'm like, "Do I have to give this person like a, a qualifier cuz I don't I imagine they were 
thinking I was going to be putting over some sort of like indie film that was thought provoking and blah, blah, blah. This is just like the most bombastic goddamn action spectacle. I'm like, I'm guessing they're going to fire this up and not be expecting that this is what I recommended. But eh, fuck it. Just sit back and enjoy because this is just a goddamn delight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll be apparent to them within the opening seconds. Like this, this movie opens like full blast and then just kind of keeps somehow like eking out at the upper register of of emotional cinema um it's it's a crazy piece of work and I, yeah i mean i'm not well versed in indian cinema and this is something i've always been intending to <clears throat> to address um you know i've really only seen a handful of of indian films and none of them have been like this they've been you know i remember watching like something like talash is probably like the other only other indian film i can think of off the top of my head that it's like a which I'm not. I'm pretty sure that's a Hindi film, but it's like an action, a world hopping action adventure film, and it's real. It's from like I don't recall, like maybe the late '90s, possibly, and it's like very hokey, kind of like that, like low budget Hong, like sub Hong Kong level kind of like action movie. You know, it's it's very of its time and kind of like limited in what it's doing, and it's also within that kind of mode of what you associate with with Indian cinema. Of it's very long and the story is very fragmented. Like there's a whole middle section. I remember that movie where they're just on a train, uh, just going somewhere, and just people keep showing up, and everyone and and you're kind of sitting there going like, I bet an Indian person knows who that person is. Like it's it's a, clearly a series of cameos by very famous Indian actors doing their shtick. Uh, and I was just sitting there going, I have no idea what's going on. I don't know why they're talking <laughs> to this dude now. Um, but I would say, you know, even if somebody's not well-versed at all in Indian cinema generally, uh, this is uh, tremendously accessible. This is, is uh, you know, and it's had a pretty huge breakthrough success in the US particularly. Like, I think, I, I'm guessing this is a lot of people's first Indian movie. Uh, the word of mouth on this thing, coupled with a pretty solid uh, theatrical rollout, meant that, you know, a lot of people are probably never seen an Indian movie before, have now seen RRR, and are, are hopefully hungry for more, and hopefully we can kind of get more of a, a thread going. Because, I mean, as it currently stands, I know around Chicago, in some of the suburbs, Indian movies kind of pop up here and there, and Korean movies too, but it's very hard to keep track of them. Um, you know, which ones are there, you know, what language they're in, what kind of movies they are. So, you know, uh, hopefully this can kind of create more, if nothing else, a kind of the, the through line for the big action spectacles. Um, and that's what this is. This is um, kind of within the, the realm of like the what would be called the, the masala film in India, which is sort of uh, a, a catch up for kind of a movie that has a little bit of everything, which is very much kind of how I would kind of associate with Bollywood from my few experiences with it, you know, that it's it's movies that have, you know, action and comedy and musical numbers and romance and, you know, all mixed in together. It's not like, uh, <clears throat> you know, an action movie or a rom-com, you know, in the much more kind of refined American kind of genre sense. It, it really mixes things up. And, you know, it's why these movies often run for like three hours. They have these... Uh, common diversions these th plot threads that just kind of meander off into you know kind of exploring secondary and third tier characters who are often like i say cameos and and kind of like established bit players kind of coming in to do their thing uh this one has elements of that but it's it's 
feel it's much more on target what I'm used to, and this maybe is much more representative of modern India, Indian cinema, which I'll admit I, I really do not have a lot of knowledge of. So that's something I'm, I'm looking forward to catching up on. So it has it has the musical numbers, it has some song singing, a little dancing, it's got the romance, but really overall this is very stringently a, like a big action epic, a big uh, patriotic epic. This is about... Essentially, the plot of this film is about two real-life Indian freedom fighters um, who never met in real life. And what the director <laughs> of this film, S.S. Rajamuli, proposes is, what if these dudes were best friends? And, and that's that's the movie. Completely fictitious. Utterly, you know, this is a completely fictitious presentation of both of these real-life men and their situations and everything. But basically just tanked up as as this just huge explosive tale of resisting the British Empire and it's fantastic it's just replete with so much imagination and controlled chaos and spectacle I got like I mean you just you we should have said it open this like if you haven't seen this movie just turn this podcast off and get on Netflix it's in Hindi that's fine I, you know unless you speak Telugu you're probably not going to notice that much of a difference it would be nice if the original language was available more readily. You can uh, spend, I believe, $60 a year for Z5, which is apparently a, a streaming service that specializes in Indian uh, cinema across the US, maybe internationally. They have the Telugu language original version. Uh, that's an exclusive contract. Uh, so if you if you see this and you love it and you want more, Maybe that'd be a worthwhile service to uh, sign up for. But, you know, just get on Netflix. Everyone seems to have Netflix. My my cell phone company gave me Netflix, which is the only reason I haven't canceled it. Yeah, I feel like once you see this, you, you'll probably just decide to cancel Netflix and, and sign up for this. Uh, right, other yeah. Yeah, you just want more. Like, like you just you just want to see this movie. It will, it's, this is the movie that, like, back in the day on when videotapes were circulating, like, this was the movie that people would just be passing the videotape around, like, dude, you have to see this. This is yeah, the... Yeah, it's Akira. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is a 2022 version, but thanks to streaming distribution, we don't have to pass around. We can all watch it together. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, this is, it's wild. Like, I just didn't expect, it, it makes, it's a sort of movie you watch and it makes you curious about so much that you might not have had interest in. Like, it makes me want to be like, oh, you know what? I got to go watch like all these fucking Hollywood epics because films don't have real scope anymore. And I want to see things that do. And yeah, it makes you want to learn more about the Indian film industry, uh, more of their products. But like, I'm, I, I'm just curious about all And even I'm like, I got to go watch some Busby Berkeley too. I'm just like <laughs> all, all this stuff that I'm like, ah, I'm missing all of this in anything in, in modern film. This is, Ah, it, it is so much here that it just makes me want to seek out other things and, and grow my knowledge and, and experience things that, honestly, I wouldn't say I was especially interested in, but just like, it's interesting the way that when you come back to something or, or see a film that evokes a different method of filmmaking that really isn't utilized in, in mainstream Hollywood anymore, how it makes you miss it and be like, you know, mm -hmm. probably at the time I didn't appreciate like, the Ten Commandments or something, but now I'm like, I should watch that. Uh, it's probably really impressive, <laughs> and uh, that's that's what this film is is doing for me. Where I'm like, man, remember when there were like people in movies? 
I think a thing that's really yeah. like really cool about this, and it's something I kind of I've I've known but not really internalized. And it's like the the great paradox to me is that I say I love movies and I don't watch movies from India, like the biggest film mm-hmm. industry in the world outside of Hollywood. The most movies anyone is producing is in India. They are churning them out. What am mm-hmm. I doing? Why am I wasting my life watching? fucking z-grade horror movies and stuff like there's so much over there but what's what's really interesting in watching this movie to give a sense of what you'll see is that it has that absolutely epic hollywood scope all the special effects in this are are really strong i mean the the this uh, there's a ton of animals in this movie they actually have a warning up front it's like all the animals in this are cg like we didn't hurt any animals because the animals do crazy stuff throughout the movie mm-hmm. yes uh, uh, you will know that it's cg you will not yes. be confused by the hyper realism you, you will but it but it looks good it like and it's really that thing like everything in this looks really good even though it's very obviously like heavily cg special effects cobbled together you know in post-production and all of that but what's really cool about this is that the action elements in this are very much influenced by the hong kong school of filmmaking you know the stunt like a a stunt forward filmmaking which i knew was kind of like bruce lee was huge in india just like he was huge everywhere else but i think like indian cinema did adhere more and from the action perspective to like the hong kong model of of stunt work than the american model of you know kind of stunt replacement and like big kind of like logistically difficult but not like uh martial artsy kind of fighting you know like, whenever I think of America, I just think of ginormous explosions. Like, American cinema is like, we blew up something so big, you can't believe it. Whereas in Hong Kong, it's like, we didn't blow anything up. We don't have that kind of money. But we threw a guy down the stairs in a way that probably should have killed him. But he was probably okay. And honestly, <laughs> that's much more impressive looking on screen to me. Always has been. It's one of the reasons I've always been drawn to Hong Kong action cinema more. This is like... It kind of reminds me again of Choi Hawk, uh, you know, of, of young Detective D and films like that. It has that Hong Kong action sensibility, that hyperkinetic movement, but then just all this other decoration on top with the CG. It's it's kind of like it just makes you mad that this isn't like the norm. This is what CG can do to create these incredibly imaginative scenarios. You just need the imagination. CG can make it work. And it just it's kind of a reminder that most of kind of your big blockbusters have no imagination behind them. They, they they have the tools, they have the money, the resources, they're just throwing shit at a wall aimlessly. Well, that's the thing, is is that you could look at this and say, oh, I think the CG looks bad for the animals or something. Like, it, it, it's, it's not what you would expect to see in a Hollywood blockbuster generally. Like, if you saw it sure. in a Marvel movie or something, you'd be like, oh, that's too cheesy, it looks bad. And I could give a shit, like... It works perfectly in this, and there's so much else happening that actually has me invested in the film and its scope and the craft that, who gives a shit? Like, I, that's not what I'm looking at. It's not what I care about. And even if it were, it's doing, like, it's not striving for this hyper-realism. For me, that's, like, the folly. If you talk about American filmmaking being obsessed with explosions, the problem now is that they don't blow anything up anymore. They just fucking do it at a computer. And it's well, like, who yeah. gives a shit? Now it's yeah. not impressive at all. It's just a fucking computer program. Who gives a rat's ass? Yeah. You really f- like, and not just that the fact that RRR is, is like just a glorious sweeping epic. And again, we recommend you watch this before you continue the podcast, but like, not just that I had never heard of either of these two leads before. And I just totally felt for their brotherhood by the end of the film. And, and that they, there was more power in this movie than 25 Marvel movies could ever give you of, of just setting up. 
it's and that's i'm using this as a cudgel against it but yeah this is this is how cinema should be and yeah like like all those old hollywood epics that myros described this is yeah this invokes a feeling of something that is just sorely missing and this is also probably our, our secret shame as americans is that the indian cinema is totally dominating other parts of the world and you know we've been we've been heavily ignorant of its presence but yeah this this makes me we just want to go all in on on telugu cinema and the films of ss rajamuli and all all the greatness that is it comes out of rrr is just something that should be like replicated and shared everywhere it's it's fan fucking fantastic yeah it's um like i i was lucky enough just earlier this week uh to catch a screening a rare screening of john woo's hard-boiled which you know we all know action classic masterpiece insane Mm. movie um and it's it very much again like i keep coming back to hong kong as an analog i mean so we we have the the two lead actors in this are ram charan and uh entior jr i believe or junior entior he's he's known as uh just that's his stage name it's his initials and he is the son of another guy whose initials are ntr who's also very famous it's worth knowing, like both these guys are huge in indian cinema like holy shit they are huge uh like they're superstars and i think this is the first time they've been in a film together like these are two guys who you would put in a movie on their own to be the star and they they put both of them in here because why not um, even even the the female lead Ali Abat is like the apparent the highest paid actress in Hindi cinema in Bollywood. She had to learn Telugu, I think, to be in this movie. Um, you, you know, like this, it's just a huge movie. This is just the biggest damn movie you could imagine. So I can only imagine how it's going down in India. I've seen audience reaction videos of, of screenings in India. They're setting off fucking fireworks in the cinemas over there over this thing. Like it's wild. But um, it is that that like that camaraderie between the two men is it reminds me a lot of like Tony Lung and Xiao Yun Fat in Hard Boiled in that it is sort of the film takes for granted that both these guys are utterly magnetic and captivating. And that was in part established in the Hong Kong film industry that they both were magnetic and captivating. But also that's part of, you know, it was a self-fulfilling thing like Xiao Yun Fat is just this effortlessly cool guy in screen. He just always has been. And, you know, it didn't take geniuses to figure that out and bottle it up in every single movie, you know. Um, but but it's that similar mindset, that, that similar kind of element that both of these guys are just utterly watchable on screen. They are just magnetic in their performances. And yeah, I mean, the, the movie, I, I did some... I'm not going to claim I have any grand knowledge of this, but I read up on the actual <laughs> men they play, uh, the two uh, freedom fighters they play... Uh, which is uh, Sitarama Raju and uh, Komaran Bean. And uh, yeah, I, there, there's not a lot of their actual life stories in this movie at all. Uh, and I know in India, there's even some controversy about the, the you know, really, there was actually, I believe one place in India tried to suppress release of this movie. A petition was brought to the government stating that this movie was like just too inaccurate. It besmirched the names of both men and the court ruled that no, actually the movie makes them look like badasses. So they released it anyway. <laughs> um, but you know, like there's a controversial element to that. I'm not going to try, you know, we are not situated to wade into uh, na- matters of, of, of Indian history uh, and the particularities of that. This movie just basically creates these two mythic heroes, kind of wraps them in together, and then literally by the third act, they are superheroes. 
Like there's just like a reveal in the finale where the two of them come together and they are like gods reborn, just smashing up English soldiers left, right and centre. And the movie builds to that in a completely convincing way. I, I have absolutely no issue with this revelation that, you know, and again, it's a reminder, this is what superhero movies are you know, and can be in that excitement and that over-the-topness and that just absolute escalation to pure, you know, kind of, uh, what we say, hagiography and, and just, you know, kind of this um, tremendous over-the-top kind of like, in this case, kind of a patriotic element. There's this massively patriotic streets, you know, kind of uh, line run through the movie, but it supports it beautifully. It, it reminds you that cinema is this vehicle for... Um, I suppose for for building very like empowering messaging and kind of visions of the world through relatively simple elements like it strips out a lot it's you know this is reductive stuff but cinema is about the image and the sound and the movement of everything in the frame uh this is like this is heroic filmmaking uh, and obviously this, this you know you can run foul of that at certain points i mean i we've got certain certain very famous acclaimed female director from germany who certainly her heroic filmmaking not not aged very well at all but um there, there's just you know a tremendous sweep to this kind of a film and it also works out that honestly looking back on it like these two guys yeah they 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 stood up against british armor they both they both were were murdered young for their revolt against imperialism so they're fine by me. Uh, I don't know if they were really super nice guys. Otherwise, I don't care. They they did their jobs. They they did a lot of cool stuff. Uh, and in this movie, they just reduced it down. They did a lot of cool stuff. And they also hung out together. And they, like, you know, held hands and walked around side by side. And one was a great wingman for the other one while he was trying to date. <laughs> so much goofy stuff in this movie. And it's just absolutely intoxicating. I, I just... I sitting in the cinema watching this thing i think was like just absolutely just a grin just smashed on my face for three hours like i couldn't believe i was watching this thing and like it's rare i know this all sounds so over the top and everything but like this was absolutely a transformative film for me this is like just the reminder of what it's all about on that scale like this isn't everything cinema can do but this is one element of cinema that I really think the West has kind of fallen away from. Like, those epics, they don't make them anymore. Mm -hmm. The, you know, the the big epic blockbusters we make now are very dour, technocratic kind of fan movies. You know, they, they cater, like, straight for all of their their broad appeal, they really cater in an incredibly small array of concerns and, and viewpoints. Um, this this is just so much more than that and so much more interesting than that um, and I guess you know it's a reminder along with say Detective D that blockbuster cinema is alive and well it's just it's just in Asia now so we just we gotta import and, and watch that stuff instead yeah it's it's amazing how much more like gravitas and scope your film can have just by uh, you know setting up a shot where you, you pay a couple thousand extras <laughs> And you're like, yeah. hey, look, a sea of humanity. Uh, it, whereas, it, when's the last time you've seen anything like that in a fucking Hollywood blockbuster? It's just fucking absent of any humanity. It's like, well, we just digitize this shit. It's like, it, it sucks. Like, there's, 
the scope of this movie is staggering and i uh, i loved it yeah I, yeah, I yeah. How, how big is this movie i just like because i'm looking at the the wikipedia has like a rundown just a few things right so ss rashamuli is the main director he had nine co-directors this thing shot for over 300 days. Admittedly, there were some COVID-19 delays, but they shot for 300 days. Wow. Uh, and there were at least 3,000 people worked on this movie. Uh, 3,000 technicians. That's not even <laughs> counting the cast. Like, yeah. This is just enormous. Even just like, uh, it, you're just so engrossed right away. Like when you get to Beam's establishing shot in the film. Uh, the first time we see Junior NTR, he's it's this sweeping camera shot going across a lake, and then we see we see his reflection in it, and we see the camera is actually upside down as it just swooshes across, and then when it stops on him, he pours blood on himself because he's about to do battle with a fucking tiger <laughs> in the woods. It is I I as like as soon as I saw it, I'm like okay, I'm I'm just all in on whatever this has to to offer me this is this is the movie of of my life right now that's right. all and, i need and to set up the plot like the plot set up in this is essentially it's about a horrible english couple uh who are basically the the emissaries of the british empire in i guess delhi i guess is where they're based out of in, in india in this film and uh, they're just in the they're in a rural village and a little girl is singing a song for them and they're like we like that song give their give the girl's parents like a, a couple of coins and we're gonna just buy their girl uh, which the parents do not agree to at all and they just kidnap a girl basically and take her home as like an exotic pet and that's it that's your that's your the 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 british empire summed up in this movie and the rest of it is just two guys going like well we better fix this and off they go it's um and it's it's interesting because it, it runs it runs two sides. So Beam is the kind of like the representing, I guess, by water is sort of like he's he's the nature's warrior and he fights in the jungle. As Jake says, he like he tank, he, he fights a tiger for reasons that are absolutely unbelievable. What's re revealed later in the movie. I think I audibly gasped when I realized what was going to happen. I was like, yeah, I thought it was crap. like food or something like they're hunting a wolf and they accidentally catch a tiger and you're like, Oh, he's like apologizing to the tiger. I'm like, oh, he's gonna eat. They're, they gotta eat the tiger to survive. It's like, no, sir, that's <laughs> no. not what's happening. No, Just you no, wait. There's, there's a shot later on where they're like in Delhi, in the city, and they like drop a huge chunk of meat into like a hole. And that was when I like put it together. It's like the tiger from the beginning. He didn't kill that tiger. <laughs> that tiger's still with them. They're gonna do something with the tiger. And buddy, do they ever? Hey, hundred percent, do something with the tiger and many other animals. All of which, as we mentioned, are CG because it would be extremely dangerous to what they what they do otherwise. But um, you know, Beam is like the the warrior kind of like the the like i guess the the kind of jungle warrior and then the other character uh ram is uh, raju is is kind of like the more uh a feat kind of like educated soldier who who and they have differing missions essentially uh raju wants to arm the indian populace so that they can fight against the british beam is more about kind of he represents the spirit of india i guess uh none of this is in any way accurate to their actual uh, again we keep keep reiterating there's not a lot of facts here no that's what this is it, it's like 
if so, if they like Hollywood optioned Brad Neely's George Washington song and gave it like a three hundred million dollar budget, that's what this fucking is. Yeah, and it's it's wild. So it's and but like it captures this great thing. And I know there's controversy over the fact that actually uh, Beam was actually uh, quite a well educated guy. Actually, reality he was he wasn't like this scruffy jungle dude. He isn't this at all. Um, so the, you know, some people are, are a little concerned about representations. I can't speak to that. I don't know. Uh, it all looks fun to me, um, you know. But uh, it, it's just kind of like captures the like part of the interplay of it is that these two men find a joint cause. They don't know that they're both real like uh, freedom fighters. They they're just fast friends. They become really good friends meeting up by by chance. Um, but their, their their modes for rebelling against the British Empire bring them into conflict for a while because uh, Raju is going to is going to become uh, he's going to become part of the British establishment. That's his plan. He wants to get to a certain rank within the British police so that he can basically rob all their weapons and give them away. The actual Raju just robbed police stations, a time-honored tradition in Northern Ireland as well. You just rob the police stockade, you steal all their weapons, and then you use them against the people who used to own them. Uh, so, you know, so, so that's his plan, and then Beam is much more, um, well, he has the tiger and the wolves and the deer, and he's gonna employ them against the British in to phenomenal fashion he's much more much more direct action short-term kind of guy whereas Raju is planning ahead um you know it, it kind of it's it's but it cements that that heroic bloodshed moment um there's an incredible this incredible moment in this where we have like one of the song moments and this is his patriotic song and it's during a public flogging where Raju is flogging beam on the it's command of the British incredible. Empire and this, like, mm -hmm. again, this incredible sequence because it's it's obviously wired in with with uh, Beam singing this song, basically about not kneeling and about the spirit of India carrying him and so on. Um, and it's kind of a transforming mode for Raju where he realizes that he is he is he has a large goal in in mind, but the cost of this, he's you know he's whipping a fellow Indian man you know he's he's and and it's incredible because the scene where he whips him and like a drop of blood flicks across into his eye as a tear and rolls down his cheek you know and that and that's this movie that's everything in this movie is that incredible like on the on the nose kind of like immediate emotive picture telling you know picture making but you know it works on that register this is this is the kind of film that no one needs to know anything about like you just you sit in and it absolutely gives you everything you need you know it's broad appeal cinema legendary cinema um but you know it, it has that that uh tension and gravitas within and really like all those tensions play out quite successfully for the finale you know as they as they join they realize hey we're on the same side together let's do some stuff and boy do they do some stuff uh, like i feel like i i almost don't want to give away the, the action scenarios in this but like they're i've never seen anything like this you know again oh, yeah. like a yeah. great action movie where you're just like every action sequence is like i have never seen a movie like this if you're like what else should i watch that's like this movie it's like i haven't a fucking clue i don't like are maybe indian cinema has more of them i guess like i'm gonna watch other movies by raja Muli. you know i don't know if he is anything like this either there's one scene where they just have uh one man who can't walk so, yeah, at that point so they they he sits atop the other guy's shoulders 
and he just <laughs> dual wields rifles while the other guy walks for him. And that's an entire scene. Not just rifles. These are both those single bolt action rifles. <laughs> and when he fires them, he just leans the guns forward and the guy running him piggyback recocks a new bullet for him. And yeah, it's it's it's, it's like so, that's brothers extraordinary. brothers reload for other brothers i guess in their their battle against authority it's it's yeah like who the heck even comes up with this stuff i've turned into the boring you know you know those boring people you know who never watch any movies who like whenever you show them anything like slightly weird they're like who even comes up with this stuff you know <laughs> i've this mm-hmm. movie turns me into that person I'm like how the hell did they even come up with this stuff this is wild uh, so yeah, that you know, yeah, this is the best movie of the year. I I can't wait to watch the new David Cronenberg movie, but it's not gonna be as good as this. Sorry. No, no, and that's like, yeah, yeah. like that's the thing about like, oh, it's not historically accurate and blah blah. It's like who get, like this thing is everything is in service of narrative and entertainment, and it's serving one master, and that is fucking film. And I love mm-hmm. that. I love it. I I just like. Who the hell knows what's accurate in history anyway? I mean, not that this is not that this is a, a possible outcome as to what actually occurred, but you know, we we just need to accept the fact that history is is fiction already, and uh, just yeah. al- allow the writer to and the director to craft a narrative that fucking sings, and that's exactly what this. Does. Yeah, the, the I think my one rule I think with movies, especially action movies, if I want to enjoy it, it's basically just. Show me something I've never seen before. And my God, the final 30 minutes of this film is just moment after moment of the just the most insanely cool thing I could have witnessed. And I yeah, I I just I'm all for it. And and just going back to the music for a second, there's two other great musical sequences that I love. The first is where when when Raj and Beam first properly meet, we get this like montage of them going about town to a song called Dosti, which has got these really great, almost on-the-nose lyrics about their new friendship. Um, but the also fun one is when they go to a party at the uh, governor's mansion. They have a dance battle. <laughs> they have a dance battle with all these English pricks. With They do the Natu Natu dance, and it's it's so fucking fun and great. I, I cannot praise this movie enough. It's, it, yeah, it's just such a... And, and yeah, even when they're not fighting, the dancing is also just so well choreographed too. The, like these are just the two of the most charming guys I've ever encountered in a film, and and the movie is all the better for it. Yeah, it does give you that ugly American thing of like a Chow Young Fat or a Jet Li when you see like uh, Ram Charan, and you're like, oh, they should get him in some Hollywood movies. And then you watch this, and you're like, no, never make a no. fucking Hollywood movie, man. <laughs> no, never do no, it. I hope these guys never break through to Hollywood because Hollywood would just suck the fun out of it. It would just, because you can't, because when's the last Hollywood movie? I guess, I guess the people who, who like are regaling like Mamma Mia, I guess this is what they're trying to capture. It's what this movie just does because, you know, because you can do it, you know, fun musicals. But this is like by... Not by like famous people who can kind of sing and it's kind of fun. Like these are these guys can dance. This thing's choreographed to an inch of its life. It's like a big show-stopping performance. It's you know like you say, it's Busby Berkeley. This is yeah, it's like a 1930s fucking musical. It's nothing to do with what musicals are now. Like I yeah, have like the zero karaoke. tolerance for like stage show musicals. Like it's just dull as hell to me. But this spectacle, holy shit, it's just. 
endlessly yeah. fascinating and, and it's and it's basically just uh, about uh you know expressing their their own culture but also it's about uh beam getting a girlfriend it's just, it's just <laughs> these things coexist it's one of the things i really love about this movie is that that beam's character falls in love with i'm not sure i don't remember her exact relationship but she's an english girl and she's like the the niece of the like terrible a governess couple. or something or yeah. something yeah. yeah it's like she, she's related to them and by the end of the movie it's like they've killed all of those people <laughs> and she's just kind of standing in a field with them like well i still like you and it's like i feel like she's got a rough road ahead of her but that'll be for <laughs> rrr2 i guess to figure out the differences there but you know she she's nice everyone else is mean and they get what's coming to them um, worth noting, actually, the the um, the evil British woman in this is Alison Doody, uh, which I had no idea watching it. I had never occurred to me. Who's um, Jake, obviously from from For Your Ears Only, yeah. we discussed, of course. Jen- Jenny Flex. Jenny Flex. From a View to a Kill. As the best Bond girl name. So yeah, like former Bond girl playing, and she's just like she's giving absolute ice queen here. She is uh, the just the meanest, nastiest person you could imagine. Uh, and uh, she's names... probably uh, probably best known as Ilsa from uh, The Last Crusade. That's true. Yes. No, yeah. we'll go Bond on this. We we've never done a Last That's Crusade fair. podcast, I think. But you know, <laughs> it's, uh... well, the man is Ray Stevenson as well. Isn't he's another pretty famous actor. Uh, he yeah. was the Punisher once upon a time. He was the star of HBO's Rome. I. I guess IMDb's telling me he's in Thor, but who the fuck could possibly remember who's in those things? <laughs> yeah, basically. And and those yeah. guys honestly give it up like they are absolutely gnashing the scenery in this thing. Oh yeah. It's worth it's worth made for anyone who has like reservations if you're sticking with us. Like a full like half of this movie is in English. Because it's it's English people discussing the problem of uh, a couple of Indian guys messing everything up, basically. So, you know, yeah. it's very accessible, you know, whatever language you watch it in, like a full half or so, I'd say, estimate of the movie is in is in English. So, you know, pretty easy if you were somewhat subtitle-averse. Come on, just get in there, you know, open, open your mind. And, like, honestly, at a certain point, the subtitles don't matter that much anymore because it's just explosions and piggyback rides. So, you know. Yeah, but I mean, there's a lot about this that could give someone reservations. Like if you said, hey, you want to watch this historical epic? I'd be like, no, Uh, (laughs) but it's a musical as well. Oh, no, definitely not. And also it's three hours and seven minutes long. I'd be like, oh, Christ, never will I watch this. But no, fuck that. Just watch it. Like (laughs) this, this is not three hours long the way like the Batman is three hours long where you have to like fucking turn it off and come back to it two days later to finish watching it. No, this just flies by. You're like, oh, come give me another three hours, please. <laughs> and even if you see it in cinema, they put it in intermission because they realize it's quite lengthy. So yeah, I mean, do, why do we not even have that courtesy? Like instead, American cinema's solution to this problem was to create websites where fans come up with like tell you the scene you can go to the bathroom to take a piss <laughs> during because it's not important. <laughs> Just put intervals in your movies. You're gonna make them three and a half hours long, guys. Like I'm not that I'm gonna sit through Avengers whatever, but like if it's gonna be three and a half hours long, put an interval in. Well, I guess that the the good part about those films is that really every every scene you can take a piss break during. Well, that that is true. Yes, I mean that's my plan. I would I would prefer to sit in a bathroom for three and a half hours and sit in one of those things probably. But 
you know, that's another story. Just to say, you know, like, blockbuster cinema, it doesn't have to be that way. Like, this is what, what blows my mind, honestly. Is I, Like, I've watched several of the Marvel movies. I, I guess Age of Ultron was the last one I watched, so it was kind of old, whatever, but they're all the same. Um, and, you know, it's just, I just don't understand how you could watch a movie like this and then go back to watching, uh, like, American blockbuster cinema. Like, it's just a complete disconnect in my mind. Like, this is absolutely enlivened me you know to watch this movie and be so excited and invested in just the excitement of seeing everything happen and and genuinely not knowing what's going to happen next and what it will look like um i don't understand how you can just go back to watching all those other blockbusters that just kind of are like uh, it ends with two guys flying and shooting lasers at each other uh, which is you know kind of how all the marvel movies end like i just i don't understand there there's like I, I feel like this movie. If you watch this, that's it. You're, you're into Indian cinema now. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm beginning my journey proper now. This, this movie forced me. I'm like, I can't not watch more of these. I can't. Like I'm looking for that high. I'm an addict now. I'm like, I need to find more of this material wherever I can, uh, and that's that. Uh, I, I, you know, everyone's raving right now, lighting up the box offices. Uh, Tom Cruise and Top Gun Two, which. I couldn't give a shit about honestly. I'm sure it's fine. Uh, kind of like I'm not a huge Mission Impossible fan. I understand why people like those movies. It's just never really read for me from an action register. But even those are some of the John Woo one. Well, the John Woo one yeah. is uh, the closest thing to this movie. But yeah, just you know that you know the wild imagination of those films. And and like I can understand you could say like. Okay, so Tom Cruise is like America's last movie star, like real movie star doing real movie star stuff. And okay, we'll preserve that. Fair enough. But like everything else, I like what what other blockbusters we have? We have like Uncharted came out a while ago, which I think was like supposed to be one of those movies. No one saw it. No one's talking about it. It's gone. It doesn't even exist anymore. Who cares? Uh, like, I you know, these movies, just they come and go so quickly. And then this one, I'm like, I hope, someone releases this on disc i want to own a copy of this i want to be able to put this on whenever i want to show people this i want to talk about this i want to find more stuff like this um you know it's just it's kind of like it i honestly may i'm just a little concerned now has this movie ruined modern blockbusters for me even more i thought detective d did damage but maybe this is even worse that i'm like i'm not going to put up with anything less than this scope from here on out and i don't know if that's even sustainable <laughs> probably not it's pretty wild that like even just after mad max fury road came out and that was a huge sensation and nobody like even attempted to do something like that they're like all right fine you 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 have you win this one mad max we'll <laughs> just go back to making our sterile marvel movies on a green screen backlot. but yeah i mean this uh, this really should i i i, I just i'm I'm just so stunned by RRR that I, I I don't know how I can approach and many other modern action movies like with any sort of without any sort of discerning eye ever again. It's it's really just such a groundbreaking experience and and I you know I think uh, I think yeah standards for everything should just be better and this this is this proves it. Yeah, it's it's probably less expensive than half these fucking Marvel movies, anyways. It's just it is. I, it was made for seventy two million dollars on around, which is not cheap. But this thing, no. like for seventy two million, this looks like 
three billion dollar budget in <laughs> in, Hong, in the U.S. Like this is just absolutely insane looking. Yeah, this look this that's the see that's the big difference is that there's hundreds of million pumped into these Marvel movies, but a lot of that is just marketing and you know paying Robert Downey Jr.'s salad fee or whatever. Well, and you got to pay like, your like uh, twenty thousand computer technicians as well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you have your whole... Basically, you have to rent out a skyscraper where there's all these office drones sitting at desks rendering footage of Captain America's shield. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, but that's the... But those movies just look gray and dull and cheap. Like, RRR looks like it bankrupted a continent to get made. And the fact that it didn't, it, it is so mind-blowing that we are doing everything wrong as a country with film production. This we we should be ashamed of ourselves with with this movie out there. It, that's uh, that's all I can I say. I think it goes back like like Jake, you mentioned Fury Road, and I suppose the issue with Fury Road is that that was not an easy movie to make. the The production no. of that movie was yeah, it, there was a lot of question marks uh, for the studio as they you know brought shit to the desert and had to shut down for various reasons and start up and move around and everything. But I think. The, the result was it was worth it. Like, they have a genuine... Like, Fury Road seems like one of those movies that's got legs. Like, 20 years from now, people are still going to be talking about Fury Road. It's very hard to predict what movies will stick, but, I, you know, the Mad Max movies generally have stuck around and hung around, and they're still... You know, people still talk about, like, Road Warrior as a great mm -hmm. movie, you know, and it certainly doesn't look modern and up to date. It's it's very much of its time, but it's like it's just got that special ingredient that keeps it going. I think Fury Road has that too. And it comes from giving a crazy Australian dude a fuck ton of money and just letting him do stuff. Um, and that's, you know, that's what filmmaking needs to be. And it's turned into, you know, kind of like a more of a much more bureaucratic control process. Like the 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 Hollywood ethos right now is very much... Um, you know, control. Like if you if you shoot it in a studio with computers, the computers can do everything sufficiently that you don't have to risk the unknown. You don't have to risk the the unpredictability of the weather or this or that, or even actors. Frankly, you can just post. You know, in post, you could just change things. You can change people's expressions. There's this photo going around from, like, the new Thor, which I don't think is even out yet. I guess it's from a trailer or something of Natalie Portman wearing a helmet. She clearly didn't wear a helmet. They just CG'd <laughs> a helmet on her later, you know, which creates a cinema that is fundamentally thoughtless, right? If It doesn't matter what you shoot on the day. It doesn't give it, like, it doesn't matter at all. You can just change it. And this, this control is being handed up, not to directors. It's being handed up to a committee to determine what the movie should look like. And I think, safe to say, that's terrible and it's not doing well. And uh, another tweet that was going around on Twitter, um, uh, or like like early la this week, I guess, and going somewhat viral, was someone who was like absolutely cocksure that in 25 years, people will still be watching like these Marvel movies. Like they'll be classics, like the way that people still go. If you, you know, if you screen Indiana Jones, you know, Last Crusade, you know, if you put that in the cinema, people will still go. That's going to happen in 25 years time. That'll happen for Marvel. And it's like, I don't, I genuinely don't think so. And if it does happen, it won't be the movie you've just seen. They'll change it. They'll fix it. They're going to keep mm -hmm. tinkering and changing the movie. And it's going to make those fans mad at a certain point. And they're going to realize that the companies they were stumping for this whole time never actually cared about what they liked about those movies or thought they liked about those movies. They'll keep changing him, and Lady Hayden Christensen's gonna fucking be one of the Avengers, and uh, we won't know why. 
Yeah, I, well, that's that that's the thing right there. Is right there already are griping at at uh, Disney about Star Wars, but it's the same fucking right. company. You don't think they're gonna do the same yeah, shit exactly. to this other yeah, thing they're, you they're like gonna, right now? They're gonna refit it, and but part of it is because if every one of these movies hinges on technology and control rather than on some kind of an inspiration or a vision. Those movies are open to being reinterpreted and remade and refolded to corporate interests in perpetuity. Well, and there's no time. There's nothing timeless about them. They're all immediately dated as to when they were made. There's exactly. Nothing, like yeah. they're they're all a teaser for the next one. Like every Disney movie is basically a, a three hour long trailer for the next Disney movie. And I know people would disagree with that, but like everything is like there's discussions even among fans of of Marvel movies. There's discussions about like on-roading new characters like it's really exciting about this movie because it's going to give us the you know the the on-ramp for this character to become part of the universe it's like this is an insane way to talk about movies at all um but my my larger point essentially is that these movies you know the movies that last they, they can be troublesome to make and they require trusting someone with a vision to do it and maybe spend a lot of money up front and maybe give some executives sleepless nights because they're not quite sure what's happening and if anyone's on control. But I think it will last. I genuinely think this movie will have legs. This is the kind of movie I think that you will be able to pull out for like screenings down the line and just people will show up because I think everyone who's seen this movie is going to tell everyone else that you have to see this movie and that's going to continue along and it is because it is a movie that despite its bigness and its broadness and its its sheen and its special effects it is very clearly a movie with a vision and Rajamouli is clearly a director who has a kind of a vision of what he's doing in a way that you know the the Marvel movies do not they are very much a committee based sort of filmmaking experience and I know they're trying to experiment a little more with that maybe down the line I'll watch uh the Eternals and the new Doctor Madness, what everyone's claim is like, there's like 20 minutes of the new Doctor Madness. It's like nearly like a real Sam <laughs> Raimi movie. Doctor Madness. Dr. Mad and I'm just like, no, it's it. Come on, guy. Like, why are we settling for crumbs? Why would you give any, like, why would you go to give money to the, at the cinema to go see a movie so your summary of it can be, gee, for 20 seconds it almost looks like a real film, or for 20 minutes, you know? Yeah. It's like there's plenty of Sam that. Raimi movies that already exist. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, are we even helping Sam Raimi by doing this? I don't I just don't even understand that. But anyway, my broader point, watch, you know, we all have to we we need to, you know, vote with our with our eyes by just diverting them over to Asia and just ingesting all the insane crazy good stuff they're doing and maybe maybe hollywood will get the message. Except that like you say, Adam, they'll probably just end up hiring some of these guys and then start telling them they can't do stuff because it doesn't make sense or whatever and uh, it'll just all go to hell because that's usually what happens we always just end up with the worst possibilities for everything i feel like so yeah watch jet lee in a hong kong movie and then watch any american movie made and weep <laughs> yeah or just even like like uh um I'm, I'm blanking on the actor's name but the the couple of guys from the raid Will show up in Star Wars: The Force Awakens, but they're just kind of standing in the background. They don't, they don't hire them for the skills that they possess in other movies. They're just saying, "Oh, we got the guys from the raid in this," and then, yeah, yeah, no, you did not. You didn't. You wasted them. Good job. I do not want that to befall Ram Sharan and NTR. The, you know, those guys are too good for this. Ah, uh, very true. That Ram Sharan, what a dreamboat. Ah, uh, yeah, that early prison scene. That one we didn't touch on, but that that's another fucking 
banger. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit, this is something. Um, yeah, I I think we could probably wrap up. We don't want to get too much into plot details because it's like we're saying, just fucking watch this movie. Uh, yeah. it, it, it might be the only thing that justifies your Netflix subscription uh, for the year. So uh, just give it a fucking watch. Um, let's wrap up then and, and we'll shift into putovers. Uh, I'm going to start with Jake. Uh, what are you putting over this week? Yeah, you know what? If you are on your Netflix app, if you've either just rejoined or are still on there and you've watched RRR and you want to explore some more cinema from this filmmaker, SSR Jamuli, uh, I would advise you to go ahead and put in your search bar uh, Bahabuli, and uh, you'll get two films. There's uh, Bahabuli, the introduction, and Bahabuli 2, the conclusion, which is another Indian epic film that also spans generations of a warrior who climbs up a mountain to basically dethrone an evil emperor, and uh, it fucking rules. Uh, that's all I will say. Go check it out. Uh, I'm going to take your recommendation right away. Uh, Jack, how about you? What are you putting over? Well, first of all, I'm surprised that Jake didn't put over fatherhood. It's a shame that that's lost its uh, shine so quickly. So be it, though. <laughs> but uh, I am going to put over a very different film to Bahabuli. Uh, very, very different. I'm going to put over a movie called The Passing, uh, which is by John Huckert. I'm not sure if he's made any other feature films. It's a really weird zero budget movie released in 1984 i think it was shot for years prior to that it's like a science fiction film basically about like two old friends two old men who are friends who were world war ii veterans and they just kind of hang out and just talk in circles around each other real weird down home country kind of conversations uh, and uh, one of them dies and or well, he doesn't die i suppose he he realizes that there's this option to get reincarnated into a young man's body uh, and the young man is uh, separately in the film as he's kind of like been framed up for a murder and he realizes he has no choice but to just give up his body and his kid to, to another person it's a really odd kind of a film about i guess science fiction premise but about friendship and like masculine friendship particularly and also about class elements of uh crime and punishment and stuff really weird film and like i say made it completely independently like no studio had any say in anything that happens in this film which gives it an utterly unique element to it it was shot for almost nothing but it has so many interesting details in it uh, i don't know what huckert's background is but like there's computer generated imagery in this there's like some of the scenes that they shoot in, like the, the locations are like laboratories and factory warehouses. Like he, he must know a lot of people doing a lot of different things because there's a huge variance of material in this film that was nominally shot for like 50 bucks. But at uh, the passing, uh, it is available in Vinegar Syndrome, have it on Blu-ray. So that would be one way to find it. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. But if you were into very unusual movies... Uh, and science fiction generally uh, definitely give this one a strong recommend so yeah check it out well there you go uh, a couple good recommendations me i've been uh i i've been doing a little seeking uh not not anything too ambitious yet uh jake's pushing me down the path i think but um i was trying to think of uh well this got me thinking about nationalism first and foremost in cinema and i was like you know i i can't think of a movie from america uh that i've seen in the last 
X years, maybe in my entire lifetime, that had me feeling any sort of way about America other than negativity, uh, which is my natural state toward the country I live in. But, uh, you know, this movie, RRR inspires this sort of like unity uh, of purpose, you know, there's, and that, that occurs in many sort of state funded films. Uh, Jack has pointed out some negative ones. There's also many positive ones. Uh, but yeah, I, I was just like, all right, time to get back and, and look at some of these blockbusters that maybe have uh, tangible sets and humans in them. And, uh, what I did was I watched Batman 1989 and, uh, I gotta say it holds up. It's a, it's a very visually interesting film. And, uh, I, I was viewing it from the lens of, uh, America myself. And, and the film is essentially the Joker's entire aim seems to be, uh, to be more famous than Batman. And, and the film climaxes in, uh, in a crumbling, uh, church, uh, where two old men punch each other. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm just like, Batman throws the Joker off a fucking roof, and I'm like, you know, this, maybe this is is really saying something about America. It all feels like a, a grand allegory for capitalism, and uh, I don't know. That's nonsense, certainly, but uh, nonetheless, Tim Burton's 1989 film, Batman, maybe you've heard of it. Uh, I would eschew all other Batmans, except for perhaps the sequel, and uh, and watch something from back when things were tangible and existed, and uh, and weren't just a bunch of uh, people sitting at computers uh, rendering. So there you go. Before we sign off, just uh, like to remind you folks about our Patreon. Uh, just search Optimism Vaccine. We've got a link in the description as well. Uh, I'd like to thank Evan, Ryan, Dustin, and Paula. Uh, for your support you keep the lights on uh let us deal with any hurdles we run into uh beyond that we also you could rate and review us on itunes that's always helpful keep us a little more visible and um you could also send us an email if you have any questions uh optimismvaccine at gmail.com uh well steve's on vacation so i assume he'll be monitoring it this week uh beyond that oh by the way on the patreon we did just release a bonus episode as well uh that is covering the american classic secret sins <laughs> real classic <laughs> you're gonna want to check that one out um well we do have jake back so i guess we can we can go with our traditional ending and uh jake the last word is yours load aim fire Washington, Washington, six foot eight weighs a fucking ton. Opponents beware, opponents beware. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Let me lay it on the line, he had two on the vine. I mean, two sets of testicles, so divine. On a horse made of crystal, he patrolled the land with the mason ring and schnauzer in his perfect hands. Here comes George, in control. Women dug his snuff and his gallant stroll. Eight opponents' brains. And invented cocaine. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Washington, Washington, six foot twenty, fucking killing for fun. Spread, spread, Delaware. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. 
Sue me if I go too fast. But the sons of his opponents wish that he was their dad. Got a wig for his wig, got a brain for his heart. He'll kick you apart, he'll kick you apart. Ooh, he'll save children, but not the British children. He'll save children, but not the British children. He'll save children, but not the British children. He'll save children, but not the British children.